You're listening to Girl Talk, a podcast for girls, hosted by Girl Scouts River Valleys. Girls are go-getters, innovators, risk-takers, and leaders. As the premier leadership organization for girls, Girl Scouts sets the standard. Girl Scouts is the girl expert, and in a world full of challenges, we're in Girl's Corner. On this episode, we're featuring a conversation about how to talk about race and difference with our guest expert, Carla Benson-Rutten. Carla works at Girl Scouts River Valleys as the Vice President of Community Engagement, developing strategies to help Girl Scouts be culturally responsive, relevant, and accessible to girls in communities of color. She also founded and runs her own coaching, consulting, and training firm focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Carla is a facilitator and an advocate with tons of experience in higher education, diversity, social justice, and sexual violence prevention program development, which are important topics that we know a lot of girls are passionate about. Hannah and Shana had a great conversation with Carla about representation, trust, building relationships, and how to engage in dialogue that will help build your community with people who don't look like you or share the same culture. It's all about acknowledging bias, being open, and expanding what we do to grow ourselves. We hope you'll use some of the tools from this episode to start your own conversations. All right, let's get into it. Hey, y'all. I'm Shana. And I'm Hannah. And today we're here with Carla Benson-Rutten. Carla is a colleague of ours at Girl Scouts, and she's joining us as an expert, an all-around awesome person, for a conversation about how to talk about race and difference and why it can be so hard. Carla, welcome to Girl Talk. Hello. <laughs> We're so glad you're here. We're so am, excited that you're here, Carla. I am so excited to be here, too. And thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to talk with you two uh, and to the audience. I think that this topic around how do we as adults uh, talk to our kids about race, how are kids talking about race is uh, really important. We do it or don't do it all the time. <laughs> right. um, and we think about it all the time. Uh, and I think our conversation can today can be a really great model mm -hmm. uh, for everyone listening about how you can go about it, you know, kind of just accepting the awkwardness of it sometimes <laughs> and getting comfortable yeah. um, with just voicing your authentic thoughts uh, yeah. and ideas and that uh, the best way to do it is to do it more and to kind of face our biases and face any concerns we have and just go forward and begin talking. Man, right. What an intro. I'm, I'm right. <laughs> the first step isn't to take no step. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. You should know this. Shane always has these great like quotes, like <laughs> these pull out quotes where you're like, oh, yeah. Like in the episode, you're like, just dude, that's right. Mm -hmm. But that's I think she Carla's gets them excited. Yeah. I think you get them from the Internet. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I am. A, I love affirmations. I love powerful wisdom and, mm -hmm. and language is so powerful. Mm -hmm. And I, of course, I, mm -hmm. I steal them all the time. And I also steal them from my mother oh, all the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom has like sage quotes. Yeah. Well, that whole the quote that I'm sure you've heard, Shana, change begins with a single step. Absolutely. Yeah, very exactly. true. Come on now. I also love the quote, you have to make the path by walking. Absolutely. And like, like you said, Carla, we are going to talk about steps. And also we're living in it in ourselves. Some of us, uh, especially you, Carla, you have a verse and very um, advanced background in talking about race, but you also experience it. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you also make the path by walking. Yeah, absolutely. So Shana and Hannah, I am just curious um, about when did you two first notice race, whether that's and differences in people and skin color or any of that. I have a story that immediately popped in my mind when you asked that question, actually. My best friend when I was in early elementary school was black. And 
my dad took like this really great picture of us like playing or something and it was super cute and you know this is when they used to actually develop film um and like literally the people who are developing your film are looking at your pictures mm-hmm. so yeah. that's kind of odd kind of to creepy. think about now yeah <laughs> um but uh the person who's developing film at like our i guess it was like a grocery store where we would get it done they loved the picture so much and i remember him saying like this is just such a great picture about like diverse friends and i remember being a little kid and being like what does he mean <laughs> um, <laughs> i don't get what he's saying and then now i look back and i'm like Oh, I super mm. get it. Like they mm-hmm. and they ended up using it as like a picture to advertise like the photo yeah. stuff mm-hmm. and be like, this was taken and and like um, developed here or whatever. But I had never really thought about us as being different yeah. until mm-hmm. he pointed out that mm-hmm. there were differences between us and mm-hmm. that's why they wanted the picture. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was like mm-hmm. I think the first moment where I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a really like. I know it's a very like specific. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you remember it. It's something that yeah. right is marked in your memory. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the adults and folks around you also signified it as a significant yeah space of race in a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in South Minneapolis, uh, in the Lindell neighborhood. Woo woo, represent. Um, sorry, <laughs> you say I that every super, time. <laughs> absolutely, I am super proud of South Minneapolis, Lindale, and it's the most beautiful amazing diverse area of Minneapolis ever and I grew up and it was really cool what I noticed race is I hung out with a lot of girls who are Somali and a lot of girls and folks who are Muslim and I loved it because I was like oh we both have similar uh, skin tone but then I learned about the complexity and the uniqueness of them and how we're a bit different even mm-hmm. if our skin tone looks a, a bit the same and um when I was there, it was just really cool. And I remember I was just so excited about everyone's unique histories and traditions. I love that, like, from clothing to food to, to ways of celebrating and gathering. I was just like, oh, my God, it's so much fun. And everyone has, like, these unique flavors. But I remember that was a big deal when I was growing up. When I was, like, five, six, seven, and seeing that. But also getting to, without even knowing how to name it at the time, seeing uh, nuance and seeing complexity among people who might even have similarities, but they're still unique. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love how you both kind of talk about it was normal. Like you mm-hmm. noticed it. It yeah. seemed normal until someone pointed it out. Yeah. Um, as uh, Hannah shared and how you were even noticing like you were the same color and we still have lots of differences, yes. which is also very true. I think my my time uh, when I first noticed race, you know, I have an interesting background. So I identify as black American. I was uh, born and am from South Carolina originally and in, in an all black neighborhood. And yeah. But my dad was in the military. And so we moved around a lot. And so we spent time in South Carolina, in Ohio, back to South Carolina. And then I grew up a significant portion of my life in North Dakota Mm -hmm. on an Air Force base, though, which was really ethnically diverse, even in the late 70s and early 80s. So I grew up with different backgrounds being normal, right? I had a teacher of color. I had friends of color. I had all sorts of diversity around me and socioeconomic status. But you didn't really notice it on a base back then because everyone lived in duplexes, whatever your rank, and everyone was having block parties and so it was really beautiful so I got to grow up really seeing that kind of diversity being really normalized and then when we moved off the base actually into an all-white town is when we were kind of hit with or I was anyway with oh wow it was culture shock because I I was for the first time around I was the only one in my class right Mm -hmm. and then and then started hearing comments and things from kids and so had to 
go home and say, why did they say mm-hmm. X, Y, Z? And my parents, I don't remember parent, my parents saying, okay, well, you know, you're black and this is what this means in this kind of context. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And they didn't use those words, of course, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that's not what I first noticed race but i think is when i first noticed the implications of race mm-hmm. right um, but i noticed the differences in skin color and backgrounds as a young child and really just saw it as as a normal part of an experience and thought that was how everyone grew up with yeah you know filipino people over here mm-hmm. latinx people over here black people over here you know yeah. white folks over here and so and it was great but yeah it was probably eight or nine before I noticed it as something to not necessarily talk about or that yeah. there were implications for yeah. being a certain races other than others. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate the highlights and I would love, I, I, I just want to open this, this question up one day, like at work or like with my friends and just dive into it. And of course it's still a large part of our lives moving forward. So as we're kind of moving into it, what does it feel like to talk about race? Nerve wracking. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's my perspective, at least. I don't. I don't think necessarily shared by everybody, but for from my from my perspective, I think it's nerve wracking. I think kind of like what you were saying. I don't think I would have felt like that when I was a kid. It didn't Mm -hmm. feel Mm -hmm. unusual, Mm -hmm. but then there that was like a watershed moment when Mm -hmm. someone pointed it out to Mm -hmm. me, and then everything changed, and Mm -hmm. it was like now I'm noticing these things and and people are kind of talking about it but not talking about it so it makes it weird and uncomfortable and so I think that like a lot of times it ends up being nerve-wracking for me personally Mm -hmm. partly because I don't want to hurt people Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I also recognize though that I don't I think know a whole lot I mean there's so much to know about people's different experiences and backgrounds but yeah so I think I get caught in a little bit of like a I'm nervous about it but I want to know more and Mm -hmm. like get to know people, but I don't want to assume that they want to talk about it. And it just ends up becoming this like weird thing. And I think that's how we get into a whole, you know, society that feels weird about talking about it. Cause everybody's in that like (laughs) kind of zone, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I appreciate you sharing that Hannah. It's so awesome. And your intentionality and in, your aim in objective of respect, you may not know where everyone's coming from. And that's great that you don't assume. I think you know? also though, it's like, yeah, there's an element of respect. Like I don't want to mm-hmm. like push, you know, something on someone else or say something that would make them feel hurt. Mm-hmm. There's also definitely an element of self-protection of myself yeah. as well, because yeah. I don't want to come off as ignorant right. or stupid about stuff. And yeah. so there, that's a piece of, I won't call myself mm-hmm. a savior on this. <laughs> no, right. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's part, I mean, I talk about this all the time uh, in many different ways and kind of have just sort of growing up. And what I know is that what makes it hard is sort of like what you were saying or what makes it uncomfortable is that you don't want to say the wrong thing and you don't want to be seen as not knowing. And so that can make it uncomfortable. And at the same time, I think part of that is actually naming race that race exists Mm -hmm. right and that feels uncomfortable because we just in this country anyway don't really name it even when it's Mm -hmm. present right Mm -hmm. and if you name that hey look at that black person over there or hey that that person's shoes or and name their race that that or any difference or whatever that difference is that that's somehow oppressive Mm -hmm. and the the naming of it itself is not but the fear and the worry Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. that 
that could be seen as problematic or you could be seen as pointing out a difference that doesn't need to be pointed out, yeah. you know, makes us uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. Whereas for me, sometimes I'm like, you know, if I'm the only if you're trying to point someone out to me in a room and they're the only person of color in the room yeah. and you're like, oh, do you know so and so? This is an example that I will yeah. share. I was at an yeah. event and <laughs> I was this was, a, I think, a professional event. Mostly white folks were there. And someone said, oh, do you know Susan? Uh, totally making up a name. But yeah. you know, yeah. I said, oh, I don't think so. What's the last name? Shared the last name. I said, no, I don't think so. What does she look like? Oh, she's about uh, my height. And um, she has black hair and all of these descriptors. And I said, hmm, well, what color is she? Is what I just yeah. finally right, said. Right. Because <laughs> and finally, like, oh, um, she's black. And they yeah. whispered it. <laughs> said mm. oh okay that person standing over there is that about a 10 minute conversation <laughs> that could have been handled much quicker if you had said she's an african-american woman she's wearing red she said okay yeah. oh yeah no i don't know her actually <laughs> but i kind of share that because again i think the there was this concern that even naming or pointing it out is inherently yeah. bad. Yeah. Um, right. And so I always, you know, let folks know, at least in conversations I'm having or meetings I'm having, it's actually okay. Yeah. Right. To name it. To, because yeah. for many people, their ethnic identity or their gender or their sexuality or whatever their identity is, is really important to them. And Absolutely. so that's okay. We don't want to make assumptions and then, you know, apply stereotypes and things to those. But, you know, to name race or to name differences yeah it's okay it's totally I've totally okay. Don't get told that, that. Yeah. <laughs> totally done that where like I, like I do the circuitous thing to try and not mention it's I, like I, I you see that elephant we're not going to talk about that elephant <laughs> seriously i've totally done that and no one's ever called me on it explicitly but, but isn't it great to have these candid conversations yeah. you guys it's so interesting to, to talk about my experience it compliments what you all were just talking about when it comes to talking about race it could be hot and cold for me it's hard because i also have to talk about the social underlining uh conditions and circumstances that we face in regards to race in terms of mass incarceration in terms of economic disadvantages and inequality and it and it's uh it's a hard place but also dismissing or not having the opportunity to talk about race, you don't get to talk about the root causes of what perpetuates inequality. So that that gets hard. But also, I feel so excited about being a black woman. I, You guys mm -hmm. don't need, I feel when I meet and encounter other black women, either directly or indirectly, we have such awesome unity and, and beauty. And I just really value my culture. I really value resiliency. I really value knowing and, and supporting one another. And so like, it's, it's this like empowerment and an awesome alliance, but also it's tough because you do have to talk openly about the candid things when you mm -hmm. do apply assumptions, when you do apply stereotypes, what results and how systems can be oppressive because they have an idea of who you are. So I have like an interesting relationship to it. So you, uh, it's so interesting. You guys are like, you know, sometimes it can be hard to talk about race, which is totally understandable. I have not always been here. And sometimes I don't always talk about it based on the spaces I'm in, but I also get sometimes really excited. <laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely. a different perspective. I mean, mm -hmm. I think that 
I think genuinely, like as a white person, I think there's more of a discomfort around it than like a really positive, like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're having mm-hmm. this great conversation. Mm-hmm. Cause you're also speaking about your own identity, like you're speaking yeah. about your own identity and having a great conversation about that when I think that, yeah, there's some things that are just end up being mm-hmm. fraught that mm-hmm. don't mm-hmm. necessarily yeah. have to, yeah. but it's just the way we're. And I think the discomfort for people of color and for myself in particular is thinking about the discomfort of talking about race, depending upon who I'm talking to race about, is what kind of emotional energy am I going to need for this conversation (laughs) right now, right? And I think that that's really, you know, that's real uh, for adults and for teenagers and anyone of color in particular trying to figure out how long do I want this conversation to be? What do I need to think about right. uh, while I'm having it? And what emotions from, uh, if I'm talking to a white person in particular, will I now have to manage on both their end and my right. end, Absolutely. right? And so right. it's an emotional investment that for me, sometimes I have to decide how much do I mm-hmm. want to invest? Absolutely. <laughs> so depending Absolutely. upon my mood that day, yeah. then how I feel about it or how comfortable I am about broaching that topic you know, changes. So that particular day when I called the person yeah. out, yeah. just asked the question yeah. about, do you mean that black person over there? Yeah. I was in a good space. And yeah. I'm in a space yeah. where I actually have time yeah. right. for what might ensue. And, and guys, we already are encroaching into it, but we want to talk about what makes it hard. And you guys have noted some really thoughtful elements that, that does ignite challenge when it comes to talking about race. So what makes it hard to talk about race? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Um, You know, one thing that makes it really hard is if we don't live in proximity to people who are different from us racially, it's hard to talk about it because we're only used to talking to people who live near us and in Minnesota and other places that are predominantly white or in places where it's predominantly of color or what have you. The people who you live near, that's who you usually go to school with. That's who you play with. That's who you work near. That's who's at the grocery store. And so what's normalized for you is only this people that look like you. Right. And so we've been brought up in this country in many ways because we are so segregated in so many spaces that, you know, the other in terms of a different race, we only see them from afar. We Mm. see stereotypical images on TV or things like that. And so we haven't built relationships Mm. with people. Mm -hmm. And so the way you build relationships with people is to be in close proximity to them so that you can learn about them. You can learn about their differences. You can learn to trust and care about them. Mm -hmm. And so when you begin to trust and care about people, that's when you begin to see the whole person and so you have something to go up against the stereotyped images that you hear about or you begin to question when you're in school and you only hear about one type of person who can be a scientist or your all of your readings look just like people like you and not like other people mm-hmm. if you're in proximity with other races and ethnicities you're more likely to say huh I wonder why we don't have any readings from people of color, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You might question that more, or you might question more, why is my school so white, or what yeah. have you, right? Yeah. yeah. If you were in spaces and other spaces where you're in uh, close proximity and get to build relationships with people right. um, who are not like you, yeah. right? And yeah. then we're also taught to be really polite, <laughs> right? And yeah. we don't ask about race. One example of that is I've been in a store before and a small child, this is an example where a a small white child was just staring at me. Maybe the child was, couldn't have been more than three. And they were just staring at me and and they asked their their mother, why is that person brown? 
just you know yeah they're yeah. free they're just yeah. curious this yeah. person is not curious. the same color as me and just right. curious and the parent silenced that child it's mm-hmm. like shh mm-hmm. we don't talk about that it's like it's really okay i, I am brown right yeah, absolutely yeah. <laughs> but what makes it hard again is that we think as we age, because both of you kind of shared when you were little, you didn't really think about it. It's just mm-hmm. sort of like was. But what makes it hard is as we grow up, we're taught because, mm-hmm. again, we're not in proximity of other people right. uh, who are different from us racially. We're taught that, that that means it's bad to bring that up and to talk right. about that. So those are a couple of things that make it hard. Yeah. Right. Yeah, totally. I think for me, it's been interesting to kind of learn more about this from my perspective. And like I went to a pretty diverse high school but it was pretty segregated within like the actual school. There wasn't a lot of racial diversity in my classroom, even though the school itself was racially diverse. But then when I went to college, I went to a very white liberal arts school, but we were talking, it's a liberal arts school, we were talking a lot about these things, and I, I was an anthropology major, so we were talking a lot about difference, we were talking about different cultures, which was exciting for me, and I was learning a lot. And then there was like kind of what you were talking about, Shana, this conversation about inequity was being had really like at the forefront, and people were talking a lot about their different identities and, and how those like intersected with each mm-hmm. other. And so, because you, you were talking about like being black and a woman, and mm-hmm. how that there's something special about that intersection that's different. And I think that what ended up happening to me when I was first learning about this, and I always like make this analogy in my head. Like, you guys know those spy movies where you have the the goggles on, yes. and like there's like stats about the people. Like when you look at people, like some there's like stats in like glowing green that show you the people. Mm-hmm. I think I started like I had this period where I was yes. really looking at every person Absolutely. and thinking of it that way Mm -hmm. so i I would Mm -hmm. see someone like you and i would be thinking black woman like and and like Mm -hmm. list all those things Mm -hmm. down and then and then yeah glasses wear yeah Yeah. and then trying to like map like okay i know this about inequity i know this and like trying Mm -hmm. to map all those pieces Mm -hmm. on right on um and i think that was a a stepping stone Mm -hmm. to something but I, i think that it was challenging too because i was seeing everybody in terms of like very generic labels Mm -hmm. um and like you what you were saying when you're actually in proximity with people and get to know them and care Mm. about them Mm. then you're like oh like there's way more than that that's going on you know what i mean and like there's some depth there's depth there lots of depth and so i think now as i've been in more close proximity to people of different cultures and races that has gone away and i don't look at people as much with my spy goggles on with like the stats and i'm thinking more about people in terms of just who they are. And so I think it's kind of interesting mm-hmm. that like transition you were talking about how that proximity really did change mm-hmm. the way you see people without me. I mean, I'm thinking about it and caring about it, but it's not like I'm really trying to make an effort to yeah. take those spy goggles off. It just sort of happens when you get to know people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if you and it's okay to notice again the differences, right? We yeah. all make assumptions about people. Yeah. So we within I think they say fifteen seconds of seeing someone or meeting someone, you've made all kinds of assumptions about yeah. who that person is, where they live, what they do, what they think, all of these things just from me looking at you for fifteen seconds and yeah. that's okay. I think the the critical thinking piece of it is knowing, okay, this person is, I think they're this ethnicity, this yeah. gender, I think these things, I don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. Right. And as I engage them in conversation, I keep them in the back of my mind, mm-hmm. but I don't have to shy away from right, like, yeah. asking them more about who they are and learning about them uh, yeah. as a person. I think there is, um, you know, this whole idea of color blindness that was really strong 
particularly in the 90s yeah. and even yes, more totally so reinforced in the, um, <laughs> in the 2000s as well. When, uh, and what exactly does sometimes, just to give our mm-hmm. listeners, sometimes that can look like I don't see color. Right. Everybody's the same. Example. I don't worry about, you can be blue, black, green, red or whatever. I don't care. We're all the same which is a great sentiment and it would be With really good intention good intentions and it would be awesome if there if there really was true that it doesn't matter what color you are and everybody gets treated the same if that was a true statement that's awesome. The The concern with making those comments is everyone actually is not treated the same. Everyone is a human being Absolutely. and should be treated the same based mm-hmm. on who they are but in actuality Everyone gets treated differently mm-hmm. based mm-hmm. on your skin color, your mm-hmm. class status, your yeah. sexuality. You you just do. That's the reality, of right? Life, That's the right? reality uh, of life, and we don't like it. But us not liking it and wanting it to be something different doesn't negate that that's true. Mm-hmm. So for me, part of getting comf- us getting comfortable talking about race in particular is so that we can then get comfortable having real conversations about how does our history of mm. um, racism, racial segregation in the past impact us now in the present, yeah. right? And so the more comfortable we can get even noticing and talking about our differences, yeah. the more comfortable we can be with engaging in readings or engaging in our history or present circumstances with each other across mm race so that we can get to some real deep conversations about well we want to get to this place where it doesn't matter so let's build some relationships with each other and then kind of get down to the business of (laughs) this is this sucks let's change it together (laughs) but it's hard to make those changes if you aren't in relationship with people right so absolutely you know once upon a time i used to adopt that perception and idea of like you know we're all the same, you know, I don't see color. But again, you don't want to accidentally dismiss someone's unique story. And like mm-hmm. you said, Hannah, intersectionality is so vital. Like understand the different memberships, the different paths, the different cultures a person shows up with and, and validating and honoring every single one. Yeah. And thinking about it, y'all, what do you think our girls are worried about? What do you think our girls experience when it comes to these conversations about like race and culture? Yeah. So I have an eight-year-old <laughs> little girl, and, you know, she's growing up, you know, really comfortable with who she is, with her ethnic identities um, and all of that. And, you know, like any, like many other little girls, she's worried right now at this age about school, you know, friends, what am I doing this summer, right? Yeah. That sort of thing. As I also have nieces who are older yeah. um, than that, and I'm curious to hear about the young uh, girls in your lives uh, as well. And... For them, what I've noticed is that the concern around who am I and who am I hanging out with and do I fit in started around middle school, Mm -hmm. right? And who are my groups and what are people talking about? And so I think that whole fitting in thing uh, is one thing uh, that girls are talking about or thinking about. We're also, you know, any decade deals with any type of political climate around yeah. identities and particularly around race so there's there's that you know yeah. and representation yeah. and where do I see myself or do I yeah. not see myself either in movies or in the books we read that I read at school or anything like that and then also you know d- depending upon the your family dynamics you know that will definitely play into how you're thinking about race if mm-hmm. you're growing up in a multiracial family you might have a completely different lens yeah right yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. of your racial identity and what that means so mm-hmm. i think some of we talked about it in our media episode representation is huge uh some things that girls are worried about is 
you know, we, we talk about norms and how sometimes girls of color have to mimic like Eurocentric features in order to be seen as worthwhile or qualified in terms of, you know, perming hair, in terms of, you know, how you speak, how you do things. I think that sometimes our girls or, you know, if they're allowed to express, you know, like you said, in our political climate, it's kind of hard to take to discuss ideas because they could be seen as contrary to someone else's. And so I think our girls are trying to figure out how did they engage conversations with also, like you mentioned Hannah, without offending anyone or losing friendships or you're not sure where to, where to start. And also how do you be yourself if you're not fitting the standards that are seen as the appropriate ones? I think there's a lot, you know, that girls are facing. Yeah. From my perspective, people who are girls now growing up now mm-hmm. are really engaged in the conversations around this or they want to be a lot of them are i see a lot of engagement online and girls wanting to talk about these things i don't know if they necessarily have all the tools so right. i think that that mm-hmm. is the the challenge that we face is like helping them move through that and yes. like giving everyone the tools to be able to talk about it because i think that you know girls want to have a conversation about inequity girls care about changing the world you know what i mean and they want it to be a better place and so i think that they're all really engaging with that right now and it's challenging i mean when i think about how hard it is for me as an adult (laughs) to engage with those things and then i think about the fact that there are so many teenagers who are really taking it on uh, like that is awesome you know what i mean and i think too it's it it, it exposes the fact that that we're missing some tools and mm-hmm. and they're trying to bring sometimes it feels like they're trying to bring us along yes. you know what i mean and yeah. really like pull us in that direction and i just can't even imagine my teen self like having yeah. that much self-awareness <laughs> right so, yeah and i think one as we were talking uh about what girls are thinking where it has come up a lot i think it was around dating across mm-hmm. race Yes. And I think that's when the rubber hits the road. That's mm-hmm. a really old expression. Um, <laughs> yeah, but where in it gets terms real. of that's where it gets real. So the girl who is like, I live in a really progressive household and my parents are cool and we talk about this all the time. And then they bring home um, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a partner who is of a different race. Mm-hmm. Then it's a different conversation Indeed. or it's that's when it gets real. As you said, yeah. Shana, where and your family's encountering families, this person and that is where your social um, circles. Absolutely. So while I also, I agree that I think what I've seen with young people uh, in particular is that there's more of, there's a bit more normalcy somewhat of dating yeah. across race. I think it depends on where you live and your yeah. geographical context and all of that. It's a bit more normal, but then it's engaging with family and what that means when the relationship gets serious or yeah. what does. So yeah. that's where often families begin navigating this conversation or maybe non-conversation <laughs> yeah, about <right>. race. <laughs> yeah. When dating starts happening, it's it, because friends are different. Yeah. Now we're talking about dating and, and, and adults and parents go to a, the whole different extreme mm-hmm. about what this can mean right? right and i have noticed that that hasn't necessarily changed over the years right mm-hmm. um and being able to that could be a good entree point i think uh for families in terms of talking about yeah race and what is the problem being really honest and starting to have those honest conversations uh yeah. about that like Absolutely. where where is the discomfort and that kind of thing? Right. That's interesting right. you say that because I dated an Asian guy in high school, um, and I, there was a little bit of that. You, you know, yeah. now that I think about it, that 
even just walking around school, I think there was a little bit of that. But then also just in my family, just a little bit of yeah. like, hmm. we're not going to talk about this. Like <laughs> yeah. you were saying, that non-conversation yeah. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that probably still does exist. It's just a little yeah. discomfort and weirdness around that. Mm-hmm. And it would be nice to be able to blow the lid off. <laughs> blow the lid. I love how we all had like ways that like terms are like, yes. Yeah. Like, and that was exactly it. I, my family is super multicultural have a lot of white people in my family. And I think that it's really been this beautiful experience because we have really good conversations about difference. But then we there's acceptance, there's proximity, there's all these different things. I, I really love my diverse family. And I love the implied and cool things that have come out mm-hmm. of that closeness mm-hmm. and, and candid conversation. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that for girls, I think I may have said this before, but the same thing that makes it hard for older folks and adults is what makes it hard for girls. If they have questions or are wondering about, I don't know how to feel about this topic and their families aren't demonstrating that it's okay to talk about these things or if they're, we're all in these circles of no one's talking about or naming race. Right. (laughs) And so whatever they may be feeling, if they don't have that safe person or that safe space or that class to engage these issues, can just sort of feel isolated and alone. And I think you all did a episode once on social media or something like that. And, you know, go to social media and you can read all kinds of things about how to or how not to talk about race. Or you see or hear all kinds of things or you see your friends on Facebook or Instagram or what have you making comments that you're like, what does that mean? (laughs) Right. And I can't believe they're saying that. And then you see this person in school the next day and you don't really know what to do or say or you're holding these things that you know about this person. And what do I do with that? Right. Mm -hmm. Because I want to still have friends and fit in and and, and all of that. So it's a lot to hold as a young girl, right? And so I think that could be, as we think about our girls and how we support them, just remembering that. Giving them space. Mm -hmm. Like we always talk about safe place to fail, right? Yeah. No, it's a low risk environment. I say that with my friends and family all the time. I love that. It's like my new mantra. But like, yeah, like you said, what if there isn't outlets? What if there isn't spaces, you know? But, you know, us as young people, us as families continue to invite and encourage and solicit conversation about difference and normalizing it. And uh, and that means getting tools ourselves. Yeah. 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 And to your growth zone. Into your hey, growth zone. Into the growth zone. Not the, not the zone of discomfort or not entering. Dis- what is it, y'all? It's out of your comfort zone into your growth zone. Come into on your- now. Okay. I like that. <laughs> All right, y'all. So we discussed some things that might present challenges or barriers. But in talking about race, but like what would make it easier for some things that come to my mind is like open-mindedness, consciousness of privilege and speaking from your own experience. But I would love to kind of hear from you guys like, what are some things that would make it easier? What would kind of help propel these conversations and move us forward? Great question. I think first for girls, make sure your your parents are listening to this podcast, <laughs> um, first of all. But also for us to remember that it's it's never a bad time and it's never too early to talk about and acknowledge race. It's never too soon, you know, in by six months of age, like little kids and babies, they notice difference and that's okay. They're not attaching any meaning to it. Mm-hmm. They just notice it, right? Mm-hmm. Little kids notice it, right? And so how are we acknowledging or affirming that they're noticing things and just giving concrete responses to them about their questions, like just inviting the conversation rather than either shutting down the conversation or, or shushing. I think just acknowledging that is really important. And I think for all of us, and particularly parents and adults, it's we want to make sure that 
that we're acknowledging and facing our own assumptions, our own biases that we have about folks, and really getting comfortable talking about and learning about our own racial identity and other racial identities. So expanding the podcast we listen to, expanding the books we read, mm -hmm. expanding where we shop, where we go and see movies, where what plays we go to, like mm -hmm. all of the richness that is in where we live here in Minneapolis and St. Paul, kind of modeling for your kids and girls, again, push your parents to do this, modeling that we need to get out of our comfort zone and we need to make sure we're in proximity with other folks is really important because our kids see what we do Absolutely. as parents. Right. Mm -hmm. And so as parents, we're saying, oh, you need a diverse friend group and all of these things. And then they look at who's coming to our house and it's all the same people that look just like us. I mean, that's <laughs> that's saying something. Right. right and right. so pushing ourselves even more as adults, I think, is really important. And so we want to make sure that that's the case for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Kind of thinking a little bit further on it. What can girls do to learn more and grow in their community? Mm -hmm. Girls can do lots of things, and some of these things they may already be doing. Just think about being more intentional about it. You know, think about the books that you're reading, right? Think about who makes up those books. Where are the people from who are the books that you're reading, and expand that. So if you're reading books that kind of highlight who you are and who the people in your community are think about learning about a different mm -hmm. you know population and so choose books across a wide spectrum of identities you can think about the movies that you go to see and think about your your friend group like who's in there you're just sort of noticing that right mm -hmm. and then being intentional about maintaining that through those dreaded middle school years which don't have to be <laughs> dreaded right uh, <laughs> but kind of think about because what I often hear from girls is that I had this great great diverse friend group in elementary school and then something happened in middle and high school and so by the time I got to college I had this really homogenous friend group right what mm -hmm. happened and so you just sort of think about as you're moving through your different periods of your youth like what how can you be intentional about maintaining those friendships and kind of noticing and noting when you feel one ending mm -hmm asking what's going on and really th really thinking about let me maintain this this friend group so that so those are a couple of things and so thinking about the spaces that you hang out in think about what do you really love to do and how can you find people who love to do that in other types of spaces that you don't normally uh, engage in and with different types of people right so there's a ton of dance classes or music classes or comic book writing or <laughs> drawing classes mm -hmm. that exist in the Twin Cities so really explore with your friends and with your families all of the different ways you can take advantage of what takes place in your community so the museums that exist and and things like that and then think about volunteering as well and think about volunteering and doing things in a different way than you might do with your faith community right yeah. or in a different way than you might do it at school but really again think about your passions and how can you find folks who share those passions but being really intentional about immersing yourself in lots of different communities and populations to learn that but really for for me I think what's important is educating yourself first about yeah. um, who you are and then who are the folks around you and in your community because again we talk a lot about Minneapolis and St. Paul of course because that's yeah. where we live and even in Minneapolis and St. Paul there's so much diversity around us but we can really stay really closed into our own communities a yeah. lot and so how do we get out of that and really fully engage where we live and, and who we talk with and and where we communicate yeah 
And I think it's also important to note that many girls don't live in urban areas and don't have the access to a lot of diversity in terms of people or resources like right at their fingertips. There are also lots of ways that you can engage difference as well. First of all, remembering that even if you are in a racially homogenous area, there's lots of other differences in identity that exist mm-hmm. among the people that you interact with every day, right? And so yeah. just remembering that and what are ways that you can engage difference that is intentional, right? And so where can you put yourself in spaces to be with people who are different socioeconomic status Mm -hmm. or gender or what what have you nationality or all of that and at the same time again I always stress educating ourselves through books and so regardless of where you live you can go online and find lots of books that speak to lots of different identities around race and nationality and all of that and engage your families like a family book or watching a movie downloading Mm -hmm. a movie from Netflix or what have you and watching it as a family or with your friends um, and then talking about like what does that mean there are a ton Mm -hmm. of books and movies and resources and documentaries that I recommend for girls uh, and families and adults that we can share that we'll share with you we'll put those in the show notes we'll Mm -hmm. share some of those Mm -hmm. documentaries are always really cool like to to get you get to see someone living like, oh, they have a family life too. And oh, their little brother's annoying too. <laughs> like it's, it's really right. cool. Like documentaries and, and like you said, mm-hmm. visiting and connecting with other people, museums, you can see how we all have like this, uh, these really cool experiences or common experiences, but what do they look like for different mm-hmm. people? Mm-hmm. Like I said, growing up in South Minneapolis, celebrations look different with my Latinx friends or my Somali friends. And I was right. popping. I was at each one eating as much as I could. Let me just, you know, <laughs> let me just uh, tell you right now. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I got good food. Y'all got good food. Let's right. all eat together. Um, right. And that's I my think language a, a key of, uh, thing, a key thing is you're engaging that difference is to sort of embrace that and sort of understand because sometimes we can engage difference and think either, wow, that's weird or strange, mm-hmm. rather than think, oh, that's different than what I am used to. And right. I'm just going to sort of go with it. Right. Yeah. Right. And then there's also the other spectrum for that I've talked with young girls about and it's sort of like well I don't feel like my that I have a culture or I don't feel like my culture is as cool or what Mm -hmm. have you is that one so you know another thing for for girls for you to remember is that we all have a culture and your culture is awesome and valid and valued Mm -hmm. and so does everyone else right and we can learn so much about each other from just having the conversation right and that I really encourage girls to do just get to know the people that you surround yourself with like your friends like start asking some different questions Mm -hmm. uh, about each other like what is your background you know Mm -hmm. what do you know or it is weird to talk about this isn't it right (laughs) like like, it's awkward we know it right but begin to get comfortable with kind of asking the awkward question and being okay if it goes nowhere but also thinking about maybe it'll go somewhere here so that's why I like uh, having these conversations like using movies uh, or books that you're reading to start talking about these things because that can make it easier than talking about yourself first yeah, <laughs> yeah kind of right. locate yourself within a different type of movie or book than you normally would read. I think too. I think to kind of echo what you were saying too, the the idea of like I don't really have a culture or or my culture's not as interesting. I would really encourage. I think that is a common sentiment mm-hmm. among white people in America in particular, and I think that's been really key to my journey on this is to to recognize my own culture and to like really engage with that. Yeah. So I would really echo that mm-hmm. point to mm-hmm. to girls who want to learn more about everybody and really embed themselves in other communities is to also like look inward and think about yeah. the assumptions you have mm-hmm. about your own culture and yourself. 
so that when you have a conversation with someone, it can be reciprocal and you're not just being like, what about this? What about this? What about mm-hmm. this? But like you have yeah, your own thing about- too. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I like, I'd really encourage that. I think that was a piece of my sort of engagement that up until recently was missing. And I think it's sort of unlocked the ability to have a better conversation around this. So yes. Yes. <laughs> I really appreciate you pointing that out, Hannah, because everyone has a, you know, unique position. So that was an absolutely great conversation with a lot of learning and a lot of information that I really appreciate. Thank you, Shana. I agree. And what I always will say to folks is that you know, the conversation doesn't have to end here and we actually expect it not to end yeah. here and we expect you, all of you listeners, to go out and begin your own conversations mm-hmm. um, and that's how the learning begins and that's yep. how we move forward to taking that first step to change. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And we actually have another conversation coming on because we got some debating we need to do. <laughs> all right. Adele's coming on. And we are so excited to have Idell on, and we are going to do our infamous, famous, would you rather. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hi. Are you guys ready? Ready. I'm so excited. For would you rather. (laughs) Hannah, make our would you rather sound. I get disappointed if you don't do it. <laughs> Is that like a thing now? I think that's a thing now. Yeah, it's our little our horn noise to signify. We gotta add sound effects to the podcast. Yeah, Who would you add? Yeah, that's what we need. A bunch of like honking and like yeah, and honking. And it'll slowly <laughs> devolve into like a DJ radio yeah, show. Exactly. <laughs> a really obnoxious radio show. Uh-huh. Oh uh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Carla, welcome to Would You Rather. I am so excited. I hope you're excited. I I'm am. excited. Okay, I have a really good question, per the huge. <laughs> Big headed of you, but okay. <laughs> hey, sometimes you gotta own it. I know. I'm into that. I love that happens. I'm right here. Okay, would you rather be a great songwriter, but just an okay singer? Or an incredible singer with no songwriting ability whatsoever. Can we have a little bit? Because the other <laughs> one had a little bit. That's not fair. The other one, you, you were. <laughs> That's I the know. terms Shana, of the one you, you have. Two oh, options. You I love everyone. I love it. I, w- I thought you guys would all be on my side. Like, yeah. And then you guys were like, Shayda, stop. <laughs> You need to, and I and I appreciate it. I'm not going to make any concessions. Rather be a great songwriter, but just an okay singer, or an incredible singer. So hard. Who like doesn't? So you you only you can only sing covers. Yeah. Uh, Or 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 people. You know, a lot of people have songwriters who write. That's right. Oh my goodness, that's right. You guys are just putting off the inevitable. You're going to have to make this decision. I have an answer. I have an answer. All right, Carla. So I would rather be a great songwriter because I could be super creative that Mm -hmm. way and could like say, I want this person to sing my song, right? Would love to hear Beyonce sing this, right? Or would love to hear somebody else sing this song. You're a great song because I'm a great songwriter. I've got songs for Beyonce to sing today, okay? So that would be super cool. And Adele. Oh my God. So many people. John Legend. It's sort of like, you know. Um, so I'd love to be that because I can be an okay singer because I'm a great singer in the shower and in the car. So I can (laughs) continue down that path. Um, and also from a financial standpoint, 
the songwriter mm-hmm. <laughs> actually gets that's true. a lot more financial security because CDs so many people really can cover your song. Yep. Just just saying, I think about those yep. <laughs> things as well. Uh-huh. But yeah, to be able to hear like awesome singers sing what I have written, that would be cool. Songwriters get offstage mm-hmm. Grammys too. Like it's true. Yeah, it's right? not necessarily up on the stage during the actual show, but you can get there a Grammy for songwriting. That's awesome. <laughs> you can also get a Grammy for singing, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And yes. more notoriety. Yes. <laughs> Just to be clear. <laughs> All right, what do you guys think? Shayna looks very thoughtful <laughs> right now. She's having a really hard time. Um, you know something? I I love people who make art. Um, I actually with my partner the other day we were talking about how um. We were just like, man, aren't directors amazing? Like, we we love shows. We love movies, like everybody. But we're always like, man, like, these folks can just think of it on their own. Someone had to, like, write the script. Like, I think we've been really having this, like, large affinity for, like, folks who are behind the scenes. I'm just like, man, like, and, and he knows so much about, like, directors. He knows so much about, like, the writers. Like, I only know, like, the actors, you know? Like, that's it. And, like, he knows, like, the sophisticated background. So... I, I I don't I'm not good at writing songs at all. I tried it when I was younger. It's hard. <laughs> it's oh super my god, hard. it's so it's hard. hard to not just feel like you're writing the same song a million times. <laughs> yes, other oh my god. Wrote. But I yeah. love other folks, and I think singing is so much fun. Oh my god, it's so much fun, and it's so interactive. And, you, and I love seeing people's excitement when the song comes on. Where you hear like that when you're in a concert, you hear like that first drop. Everyone's like, oh no, mm. oh no. Like everyone's like, it's over. <laughs> or at least maybe that's what I'm. I would want to be the singer because singing is so much fun and mm-hmm. also so interactive. You're engaging with the crowd. Who so would you fun. sing? Would you be a screamo singer? Oh yeah, that's a good point. Um, I'd want to be like a like almost like Beyonce, like a funky, yeah. like confident mm-hmm. girl power, ain't taking nothing from nobody. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like I'd like I'd want a wanna powerful do... voice. Oh yeah. Or some Lizzo. Yeah. Oh no, I'll be Lizzo, Lizzo, yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or Dessa. Lizzo, you know, come I'd on be, the podcast. I'd be one of those, you know. <laughs> yeah, Lizzo, come on the podcast. Yes, Ooh, Lizzo, please. There you go. She's please. from here. <laughs> yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, she, she's well, from she definitely. Well, she, she wasn't born here, but, but her her music her beginnings music were here. Okay. She lives. We're gonna put that out in the universe. Yes, just yes. Put it out there. Uh, you know, Lizzo. Send her a text. She oh may God. be listening. Yeah. Lizzo, I would emulate you too. So. I I'd 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 be your backup singer. <laughs> if all if all I got to do was hum every forty five like minutes. Like, hum, like, like that's all I'd <laughs> get in there. All right. So we got one singer, we got one songwriter, Hannah. You should go first. I'm still thinking. I always go last. Okay, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sorry for breaking this unspoken order of the universe. (laughs) Uh, I think, uh, I don't know. I don't have like a strong, I think I'm struggling with this question because I don't really know if I have a strong opinion. Yeah, yeah, Um, right. Which which is kind of a first. I think I usually come out the gate, I'm like. You're usually the first one. Like, sorry, guys, you thought I was going to hem and haw. And yeah. I didn't. I, I didn't. I know exactly. No, for this one, I, I don't know. I don't have, like, a super strong opinion. I love listening to music, but I've never been very interested in making it myself. Um, I don't know why. Uh, my parents are both musicians, so I think they were a little disappointed by that. <laughs> uh, my dad really wanted me to be a drummer, and, and then I was like, no. <laughs> um, but I'm a gamer, though. Yeah, yeah. Your parents did a lot of things that are the opposite of the norm. Like, yeah, Hannah, play video games. It's good for your brain. Uh, yeah. Hannah, we wish you weren't into science. We wish you were a musician. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going on there. I think it's awesome. It, it is awesome. awesome. <laughs> Maybe it was like a sort of a reverse psychology thing. Mm, yeah. yeah. Like, like, probably no, not. Stop science. Be a drummer. Not. <laughs> I think um, I think I have a slight preference for being like a great singer because I don't feel like a super need to like express myself through lyrics, like yeah, writing yeah. songs. But I do enjoy singing kind of like you're saying in the shower or in the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it would be fun to be able to sing. I think it would be fun to like do karaoke and not be yeah. scared oh, yeah. and like right, just right, like right. have fun just with get it. Up there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just like yeah. blow and everybody's like, yeah. whoa. Yeah. Where are we? <laughs> that, that's a good point. That would be really fun. Yeah, I think it would be yeah. fun to be like just exactly who I am, like exactly the same person, mm-hmm. same job. Everything about me is the same. But whenever I sing, people are like, what? Wow. <laughs> like a rock and yeah. Oh, so and then they hear your terrible lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> Karaoke, karaoke. <laughs> like talking about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and what you're gonna do after work. <laughs> like, what is this? That's what I want. Are you reading like shit. a diary? A song about I World of Warcraft. Would. I literally would though. Peanut butter sandwiches and what I'm gonna do after work. Literally, there's a song there. Right, <laughs> and that's also exactly what it's called. Yeah, <laughs> that's the whole thing. Yeah, like, I would. Is it time uh, to renew my gym membership? Like, yeah, is <laughs> it time? <laughs> Sad. No, covers only. <laughs> I ran out of Q-tips. <laughs> I've got nothing to say. Anyway, that's what. But a great way to say it. Oh, oh yeah, great way to say pick singer, yes. <laughs> All right. I don't know why Adele gets to go last when she's been thinking about it this whole time. You know, I feel like it's the way it is, and I feel like I feel like something bad will happen in the order of the universe if I disrupt it. Oh, so. I agree. I, I feel very attached oh, it's to disorder. It's because she likes to listen to what everybody else says and then yeah. change her mind. I do. I often do. But I think that's my favorite part is I hear all your perspectives, and then I just... You know, and I like that you're open mind. about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so you're like, absolutely. Hannah said, it, and you're like, yes, that's that's ex- yeah. exactly what I do. That's yeah. exactly. Yeah. You're correct. I would love to have done a both and, but anyway, <laughs> can't do that. Oh, I try to get all the time. They're like, uh-uh. no. I'm gonna just see if I can get it in though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So mine, I love music. I love playing instruments and singing. And I've always wanted to be just, like, really good at it. And so I, I'm going to pick singer. I would like to be an incredible singer. Like, I can do okay. I can hold my own and carry a tune. But I would love to be an incredible singer. I think the songwriting, you know, you guys said you can hire people to write your songs. <laughs> yeah. And there's and a lot of beautiful bad. songs yes. out there that really, like, make me feel all the feels. And yeah. I can just sing those songs. <laughs> and, I mean, it does sound like it would make me a lot of money to be a good songwriter. That was a really good point that you made, Carla. Money. Grammys. <laughs> money. Grammys. Money. Notoriety. Yeah. Yeah. Like with Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. I, Poetry. But it still didn't sway me. It didn't sway you enough. I still want to just sit in my basement and play my guitar and be able to sing so well that it just blows everybody away because i think it would just feel really good so i know you'd be that person who's nonchalantly at a bonfire like who like like pulls out a guitar everyone's like oh yeah whatever Uh then they're like what and they start singing like adele i love it because it's so close to my name everybody thinks my name is adele it's PSA. Not, Idel. Idel. Right. Idel. spelled completely differently than adele Uh uh-huh shana not carla or shana not 
Shayna, not Shauna. I want to do a Shana. PSA too. People call you Shauna a lot. Oh. Yeah, hmm. it's Shayna. You don't Shana. have a W in there, but there's yeah. But there's two ends, mm-hmm. right? It throws everybody off. All right. Well, thanks everybody. Thank you. This was another this good great. one. This was fun, <laughs> huh? Now it's time for girls' pick. Hi, I'm Maddie, and one thing in particular that I'm interested in lately is Paolo Gacciabalupi's short story, Shooting the Apocalypse. It's about a world where the southern United States is completely without water and the tensions that arise because of it, particularly in journalism and reporting of it. I would highly recommend it. Girl Talk is brought to you by Girl Scouts River Valleys. Our hosts are Shayna Woods and Hannah Gilbert. The show is produced by Adele Erickson with audio editing by McAllister Grant. For more about the podcast and our team, go to girltalk.girlscoutsrv.org. See you next time.